taken the time to be with us. We hope that our worship today and the things that we learn will cause us to have a closer walk with one another and a closer walk with God. We'll be uplifted by this. For those who are expecting Fred to be speaking today, he's not able to make it, obviously, and so I was called and asked to fill in. It has actually been many years since I have filled in for a preacher. So pardon me if I am a little nervous in all of this. I am the regular, for those who are visiting, I'm the regular pulpit minister. If you noticed a theme in the songs that were led today, you noticed that there was a term that was used in several of them, walking. That is our theme today. If you picked up a bulletin, you'll find the outline in there that talks about walking. Some of us walk simply to get from point A to point B, in my case, from the couch to the refrigerator. But some of us walk for exercise. It's shown that walking is uh, less impactful on our joints, better for us than running. Some of us walk to really get from point A to point B. Some of us walk as a matter of relaxation so that we can contemplate life and enjoy the world around us. But that term walking is used in a sense of metaphorically in our walk. The passage that was read from Philippians, only let your manner of life, the King James Version uses conversation. But we don't typically walk up to someone and say, well, how's your conversation going today? Or how's your manner of life going? We typically say, well, how's it going? But in biblical terms, that's how Paul writes to those at Philippians. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So as we look at that manner of life of which each of us proceeds with in our day-to-day activities, we'll look at the walks that we can take. And I have entitled this Originally, as the seven lovely walks we can take with Christ. Some of those we may choose to do every day, and some of those we may concentrate more on in one day. But they are walks that each of us can and should take in our daily lives. The first walk that I would concentrate on is found in Romans chapter 6, if you'd like to turn to that. In Romans chapter 6... Paul is talking about that change of life that one makes a conversion, that death, burial, and resurrection that we reenact when we are plunged beneath the watery grave of baptism. We rise to newness of life. We've died to the old life. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 4, Paul tells the church at Rome, we are buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And so that ought to be the goal of each of us every day. As we get up, we take our physical walks, but we take our spiritual walks as well. For our walk begins at baptism, but it continues each day as we walk in newness of life. And it isn't that snap of the fingers as soon as we come up that 
While our sins may be washed away, our old life tends to be chained to us and things kind of come hard for some of us. But as Paul continues on in his letter in chapter 12, he writes, beginning in verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So Paul weaves this theme throughout the book of Romans of how we are walking in newness of life. And I back up just a little bit to Romans chapter 8. I've often said, and perhaps you've heard me say, that if there was one goal, one item that we focus on in our lives, it would be found in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. That all of the things fall into this category and branch out from it. For Paul writes in Romans 8, 29, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. So as we walk in the newness of life, and we're no longer conformed to the ways of the old world, but we are being transformed, that metamorphosis of our new mind, that one goal in our lives is to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's our goal. Everything else springs out from that. We wake up in the morning and say, well, what is, my, what is my goal today? Maybe some of you have a Franklin planner, which it, it lays out all of your goals. At the very top of that each day is, I must be conformed to the image of his son. Be conformed to the image of Christ. I must become like him. Paul would often say, be imitators of me as I am an imitator of Christ. That's our goal. My goal in life, to be conformed to the image of Christ. That newness of life, as we look back at the old life and say, it's behind us. I'm doing, I, I used to say, we do a 360, but you do a 360, you come right back to the same point. You do the 180. We're walking in the opposite direction of what we were. Our second walk, we might say, is we are walking by faith. Second Corinthians 5.7 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And that's tough to do. We need to keep our eyes on the path, but we need to keep our eyes on the goal. For those who, who are like me, who tend to walk along the path, and I look at everything around me. I also do this driving, so be careful when you drive with me. Because I'm, I'm looking around at everything around me, but I fail to focus on the path that's ahead of me. I often find myself stepping in potholes, stepping off the edge. But it says we walk by faith, not by sight. Paul would also write to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. He says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. I don't know about you, but I don't always see the things that I endure day to day as being a momentary light affliction. Those things tend to be a weight that just... It brings me down. But Paul says, and I can trust him because of the things that I know he went through and he records for us, that if he can call the things that he endured in this light a light momentary affliction, then I truly can call it that way as well. He continues on in verse 18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Those things that await us, those things that we know are around us, 
It was interesting that Jan should read from the book of Hebrews. We don't understand those things that are unseen, those things that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 6 of that realm that exists beyond us that we don't see. But he assures us that there is a war going on. And thus he gave us the weapons that we need to fight that warfare. As we look at those things that we see around us, he says those things that are unseen. We look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And who knows what heaven looks like? But it is our hope. It is the one hope that we have is heaven eternal. Peter would write in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 9, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So we have walked in newness of life, we have walked by faith, and we continue to walk in the Spirit. In that great chapter that Paul writes to the churches in Galatia, and who knows how many of those churches that there are, congregations, but he writes that, that war that exists between the flesh and the Spirit. And he says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He continues on in verse 17 of Galatians chapter 5, and he writes, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and as if there were more, and things like these. So who knows how long that list would be. He says, those are the works of the flesh. He says, I want you to walk after the Spirit. And he tells us, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Walk in the Spirit. How do we know what it is to walk in the Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit has left us His Word to guide us. We're not going to walk in the ways of whims as, well, I, my stomach, my heart, my feelings tell me I, how I ought to walk. Remember what Jeremiah says, the heart is above all else evil. Trusting our hearts, there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end there is death. But I know that walking in the Spirit, and that the Spirit has provided His Word for me to walk in. So we walk in newness of life. We walk by faith, we walk in the Spirit, but we also walk in love. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He would write to the church at Colossae, Above all these things put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And Paul would write that great chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. 
And it is interesting that he begins the first three verses of that chapter about talking about things, if I do not have love. He says, if I speak in tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. I can do all these wondrous things, but if I lack love, so Paul tells us to walk in love. Next, our wondrous walk takes us to walk in wisdom. Paul tells the church at Colossae in Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6. He says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Walking in wisdom. Wisdom. Not the wisdom of the world, because Paul says the, the wisdom of this world is passing. And that the foolishness of God is wiser than all of man's wisdom. And James tells us about wisdom. James 3.13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness and wisdom. Paul writes to the church at Rome, For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good. How does one find wisdom in this world? I thought I would see a hand go up. How does one find wisdom? From the Word of God, walking in wisdom. And I like the way Paul writes to the Colossians, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. As the world looks on from every direction to you and I and to the church as a whole, what do they see? Are they seeing people that walk in wisdom or walk in the ways of the world? Do they see individuals whose speech is like seasoned with salt? Seasoned with salt. Salt is that preservative. I don't know about you, but I like to have a little food with my salt when I eat. Be gracious. Season with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. To be thoughtful in our answers to people. The old saying goes, I would rather see a sermon than hear one. And that's true. They don't often take the time to come within the four walls here to hear a sermon. But you better believe that they will see your walk each day. And Paul says that we ought to walk in wisdom. Our next walk is the walk in truth. James writes three epistles toward the end of his life. We know them as 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And it is interesting to make the comparison of John in his younger years and his brother who were known as the sons of thunder 
And one time when they were rejected, Lord, do you want us to call down lightning from heaven? They had the nickname Sons of Thunder. But now, years and decades into the future, what does John write about in his letters? He writes about love. The very same thing that his master, his teacher, taught him. In his third letter, verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Our walk in truth. Paul would write in Romans chapter 1, he would write about a group of people that had spurned God, who had begun to walk in their own ways. And we see that those that he talks about in Romans 1 are many ways like what we see the world leaning towards today. In Romans chapter 1, verse 24 and 25, Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. He would begin that section talking about those who suppressed the truth. But not you and I. We're not like Pontius Pilate who stood before Jesus when Jesus talked about truth and he said, what is truth? Well, you and I know that if we want to know what truth is, we know the exact source to go through, to find what is truth in this life, that we are not left wanting to walk in truth. Our final walk today is to walk in his commandments. In John's second letter, 2 John, verse 6, And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. And John's teacher and mentor, the Christ, told him in John chapter 14, verse 15, that he wrote, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The very next chapter in John 15, verse, beginning in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Walking in his commandments. In a world that tends to say, there's no truth, there's no absolute truth, there's no right or wrong, there's just what we want in this life. What we want to achieve in this world. But the scriptures tell us there is truth, and there are commandments. There are rules in this life that God has given us. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, we have all this freedom in Christ. If I could use an example in everyday life, what do you think I want to do what I want to do out on the highway? I'm going to drive as fast as I want. I'm going to drive wherever I want on the road. Those lines don't mean anything. Don't say anything about the way I drive now. We must adhere to rules and laws on the highway. They are put there not to make our life hard, but to guide us and protect us. That's what God's commandments are like. Jesus would say, his commandments aren't burdensome. Take my yoke, for it is easy. Have you made time for your daily walk with Christ? 
as the days and weeks and months and years hurry on, as we grow older, we say, I wish I had started walking and exercising earlier in my life. We may make that same observation in our walk with Christ. I wish I had started these to walk in wisdom, to walk in truth, to walk in love. All of these walks that you can take each and every day to exercise your faith. And just like our, our muscles, if we break an arm and put it into a cast, you know what happens after you've had that arm in a cast for a couple of months? And the first time you take it off, you think, boy, I'm just going to stretch that arm. I believe the term is called atrophy. You know the same thing can happen to your faith if it isn't exercised daily, can be like the atrophy of muscles. But we hope for better things, don't we? We know that each person here really desires to walk with Christ each day, to take those lovely walks, to get from here to there. So where are you at today in your walk? Have you begun your walk with Christ? As we talked in the beginning in Romans chapter 6, that walk begins right there in the watery graves of baptism by faith, believing that Christ died for our sins and that we must move away from the old life and turn towards the new, confessing Him as Lord, repenting of the old life. And that act of faith that puts us in touch with the blood of Christ, baptism. The same thing that Paul was asked by Ananias. Now why do you wait? Arise, wash away your sins. Over and over we read in the book of Acts of those who are baptized into Christ. Wherever you're at in your walk, if you need to renew that walk or even begin that walk, we urge you to do that today while time and opportunity await you. As together we stand and sing. Uh.